Rusty Quill presents. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. message from Professor Ryan of Bunker A12. This is a public broadcast to any survivors out there. Over the last few months, I have been sharing with you the story of two brothers who found themselves plunged into a world of nightmares. Our world. Right now, I too am in that world and I endeavour to find answers in the wreckage. To discover a way forward. A way home. As always, I advise listener discretion going forward. Marcy Walters, Kalpana Medan, Santiago Alonso, Timothy Smith, Akuna Yusuf, Lexi Scott, Matilda Scott, Evelyn Candler, Bobby Candler, Catherine Evans, Max Green, Isla Green, Jacob Jaworski, Eminat Samuel, Carolyn Hill, Bahada Kadir. The list goes on. I wish I could say them all, but it's too much. They're all carved into the wall by the exit. We'll take them with us when we leave this place. These are the ones we've lost along the way. The ones A12 couldn't care for. 
missing or otherwise. <sighs> Look, I'm just going to be really honest here, survivors. There's a lot that we need to discuss and a lot that we don't understand. I'm going to cut straight into this with our last message from Professor Ryan. Please bear in mind that this discussion took place before our revelation about Roman yesterday. Ryan left this message with us last night, and I believe he's going to be in touch sometime during the broadcast if he's able. I've already listened to the start of it. It's more of his conversation with Elliot. It... well, you'll see. Alright, it's on. <sighs> Strange, I um, remember hearing Roman say that like it was yesterday. Never thought I'd miss that. I miss him. I know, I know. I miss my family too. It's hard knowing people are gone, but never seeing it happen. No closure. There's just so much loss, you know? Just so much. May I ask who it was for you? My wife and daughter. I know they're gone, it's just... It's hard to imagine. The survivors who found me in the middle of the road where I'd staggered out of the house in disbelief, told me about it. About what happened. That's all I'd like to say, though, if I'm honest. I suppose... I, spo I suppose it's the same with you and your brother. You really think those hands are his, don't you? Sorry, but I do, I'm afraid. Elliot, do you think now would be a good time to perhaps share what happened to you? I... Yeah, alright. This is going to be broadcast, right? That's correct. Okay, I'll, um, I'll try and keep everything as true as I can, but I might have to change a couple of things. My name, I already changed that for them. Certain locations, etc. I think it's clear why. So, um, a few months ago, I made an incredibly selfish decision. One that I regret to this day, and that has haunted me since. However, I know now that nothing at the time would have changed my reaction. Nothing short of A12 actually being where it was supposed to be. I also know now why it wasn't there. Not that it makes much sense. The first parts of this are really kind of hard to recall. Likely due to the nature of what happened to me. I believe it was similar to what happened to Roman all those months ago when he wandered out of the car into the forest only to be strung from a tree. I did the same then, wandered into the forest, but it was my choice, at least to begin with anyway. I believe at one point I recall hearing a metallic breathing noise like the one at Roman's house. In my distraught state, I didn't react rationally, didn't run in the opposite direction quick enough, mustn't have done. I remember momentarily losing control of my body and feeling so strongly that going towards the core was the right thing to do. And that, of course, is all I can remember of that time in the forest. I woke up feeling dehydrated, groggy, and sick to the core. I was essentially hungover from whatever had infiltrated my body. I remember the tight pull of something on my wrists and my feet and an overwhelming sense of panic setting in, remembering how I found Roman after a similar experience. I thought the same fate had befallen me. I suppose, fortunately for me, they were just chains. Chains, I thought. Not tendrils, actual chains, human-made and fastened. Eventually, my eyes adjusted and my surroundings came into focus. 
I was in a warehouse of sorts, um, food storage it turned out. A few minutes afterwards, once my senses had come around a little more, I heard distant echoing footsteps drawing closer and closer until a woman stood before me. She was dressed in ash-covered rags that hung about her waist with hideous weapons clearly meant for maiming strapped to a makeshift belt. Her top half, like mine now, and the rest of the groups was bare, apart from a rust-coloured ash smeared like war paint. The style denotes rank to some degree, I think, although I'm still not quite sure on that. She grinned menacingly, like a predator eyeing their prey, and the thought of what she might do with those vicious tools raced through my mind. She muttered some guttural words that echoed far more than they should have done, and from behind me a shadow that I had assumed was a piece of furniture blocking the light moved, without a single sound, despite how close it was to me, despite its long, bird-like feet. A tall, slender, strangely winged creature with many tails and just a single more for where its face should have been passed me by. I glanced up at it from my prone position and briefly caught sight of its bizarre mouth-covered face. Devoid of eyes, a nose, ears, just all mouth and teeth and nothing. And even though the mouth remained open, I swear, I swear I could hear it laughing at me. A sick and sinister laugh. But its mouth didn't move and the sound didn't feel like that's where it was coming from. Knowing what I know now, it's safe to say that it was laughing at me. In a very abstract definition of the word, at least. Over the next few days, they tortured me, forced me into labour, and prepared me as a sacrifice. Said my pain would serve their beasts well. I won't go into detail about what acts they committed over that time. Suffice to say, I remember too much of the endless torment and forgot the rest. I'd given up all hope. I felt so deeply as though I'd never leave that place that every decision I'd made, every moment since we decided to leave for our camping trip all that time ago, had been leading up to this. And this was my demise. At some point, however, a switch inside me flicked. I couldn't accept this as my fate. I couldn't let them win. Even if it seemed like I was helpless, I wasn't and I couldn't give up. I, I know, I know I should have come to that conclusion much sooner. But they have a particular way of making you feel like nothing. And in the face of those eldritch horrors they surround themselves with, it's hard to feel otherwise. Over the course of the following days, I paid particularly close attention to their actions, their movements, mannerisms and speech. Especially so in regards to their interactions with the creatures that stood guard over me. It was clear that there was a complex relationship between them, Neither was particularly in control. I saw the creatures brutally dispatch members of the cult without hesitation on multiple occasions. And I know what you're thinking. Why would they share a space with those things? It's like living with a lion, surely. And yet they seemed in complete awe whenever one of their own was killed. In complete reverence, almost. 
It soon became clear that many of them see it as a blessing, as an honor to be chosen to die. They don't believe that you go anywhere when you die either. Simply that your life ends and you feed either the earth or the creature that consumed you and that, that is solace enough. One thing struck me as odd, however. There was something that I picked up on when I was listening to them and subsequently when I joined them. It was the idea that they were doing good in the world. (laughs) Yeah, I, I know, right. From what I could gather, they believe they're fixing the world. I couldn't quite figure out whether they had brought this on, believed that they had, or whether they were simply opportunists, taking advantage of a natural event and scavenging from the people left behind. I got the impression that some of them knew the answers, and others were just enjoying themselves too much to care. The ones that did know, however, certainly didn't welcome anyone asking. You either know, or you don't, with them. After some time watching, I began to imitate them in ways that I could. Practicing their body language and facial expressions was difficult and felt unnatural, but I knew it was necessary for what I had planned. And although they kept me gagged, I made my best efforts to mimic their speech and the peculiar language they use when instructing the... well, the things that guarded me. Then, the moment arrived. I always imagined that with moments like that you'd know them from a mile away, be able to mentally prepare yourself, but you don't. They just present themselves as suddenly as the first rumble of thunder in a storm. The female cultist, the one who had been presenting me for my daily routine of pain, came to me one morning and ordered the creatures that guarded me to leave. She removed my gag earlier than usual. Before they left the room, and the second I could form words, I imitated her as best as I could, commanding the creatures to stay, using the words they used. To the complete surprise of myself and her, it worked. They turned and faced me with their endless moors, and their mental mockery ceased, and it was replaced by silence. (laughs) Ah, at last, silence. It took a few moments for the woman to know how to react, her shock clearly visible in every inch of her ash-covered face. Then, in a moment of panic, she tried to order them again to leave. But they did nothing. Not a single muscle beneath that grotesque hide so much as twitched. Her gaze quickly turned back to me, anger slowly turning to shock, then to the creatures, then back to me, and without warning, she stormed out of the room. I was both exhilarated and terrified. I'd clearly done something which would upset her, but she hadn't immediately slit my throat or turned on me, and the creatures seemed completely focused on me but their body language spoke clearly of obedience rather than anything resembling the threat they'd posed before, and the laughing had certainly stopped. After long minutes spent in the dark presence of those things, no less terrifying even if they had listened to me, she returned with a man I'd never seen before, the leader of their group, I now know. A long interrogation ensued between myself, my tormentor, and the cult leader. I only have quick thinking and a great deal of luck to thank for what came of that gruelling discussion. And somehow, somehow by the end of it, I'd managed to convince them that I was just like them. Someone who wanted the spiralling star to be able to wreak whatever chaos it wished upon our world and the two others that had become intertwined with it. I knew it was the only way forward. I'm still so glad that in the days they spent torturing me, I was able to stay quiet about the majority of my life. 
and of course the recent events. I managed to manipulate the truth enough not to expose myself as just someone trying to survive in a world that had changed beyond all reckoning. Told them a false name, kept quiet about Roman, spoke in half-truths, and it all worked. Of course, it took a great deal of time for them to trust me, to allow me to roam free around the complex and even longer before I was allowed to leave. For what I had to do in between, well, I'd rather not divulge too much information. I regret a lot of it and feel, well, sick with myself for even more. I'd love to say that it was necessary, but I often question for what? For my own survival? I'm not sure what I did was worth that. It was selfish. So now, now I must make amends for it. Not for any sort of guard or karma, but because it's the right thing to do. Our world is full of so many wrongs, and I have had to succumb to them for far too long. I'm sure you can imagine the sort of practices I had to be involved in to prove myself. And I want you to know, I will never, never give in to that again. So, you just up and left? Were they not suspicious? No, every so often a group of us are sent out to root out survivors and communicate with the other beings we now share our world with. There's also, of course, the rifts that appear. Yes, do do you know when they're going to appear? Yes and no. There are many that appear without warning and some that even grow slowly over time. Depending on whether a creature or sacrifice has had some sort of special interaction with the area where the walls between the worlds particularly thin... And there are others that some of the creatures know about, and some of the more devoted of the Order are able to extract this information from them. I'm not entirely sure how, though I know it involves a great deal of blood. And, um, yeah, I think I was part of one such extraction. My God, Elliot, I'm, I'm so sorry for what you've been through. There's nothing to be sorry for. If anything, I'm the one who should be sorry. Look, we're here now, and it's time we made some progress towards fixing this. If that's even a possibility. And do you believe it is? Wait. Shh, hold on. Quiet. Fuck. Fuck, don't move. Don't speak. In fact, just trust me and close your eyes, please. What? All right. Keep quiet, but open your eyes and just look down. What on earth is that thing? It smells like putrefied meat. There isn't a name for it, but they make that horrible sound endlessly. I wonder from place to place. Doing what? Looking for something to eat. If it moves, they eat it. And they're dumb enough not to know the difference between the living and the dead if something is still. You mean, it would have... (sighs) Yeah. Absolutely. And with a disgusting efficiency and lack of hesitation... I'm starting to wish I'd never left A12, but I have to find Claire, and I have to do what I can for everyone out there, and for all the things you've faced, what I've seen out here, 
is nothing by comparison. Claire. <laughs> oh, she's still out here. That's correct. In an old school, I believe, somewhere near Ralford. An old school? What is she doing there? I believe she's with someone, a cultist, someone who's lured her into a false sense of security, and I fear she's spinning a web of lies and false pretense. Oh, this cultist, I don't suppose her name is Naya, is it? You know her? Where is she? How do I find her? I know of her. Know that she's in the area. I've never met her, just heard stories. My God, Elliot, you have no idea how happy I am to hear that. Shit. It's coming back. Fuck. Fuck, there's more than one. Just... Shh. And that's where it ends. Had I listened to that any earlier, then I would have been greatly concerned right now. However, I'm glad to say that Ryan contacted us during the course of that last recording, and he's on air with us now. Those things sounded horrifying. You're okay now, though, right? We're safe, Jess. Those awful things lingered much longer than we would have liked, but we're safe now. As safe as we can be, at least. Ellie and I have had much to discuss in the time between, and we've listened together to the broadcasts you've transmitted. Do you really think it's Roman in there? Please. Please be honest. Um, Frankie does. And, well, I think George does too. But, Elliot, listen... No, 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 sorry. I, I don't want to hear any more speculation about it. All I need to know is if you think it's him. Then at least I know where he is. Where he's safe. I really don't think this is safe, Elliot. He's not even physically here. It's just his voice. Jess. Jess, after everything I've seen... His voice is enough. God, God, his voice is more than enough. Just hearing him on the earlier broadcast, I, I felt hope coming back to me. <laughs> the guilt of leaving him abated slightly for the first time in months. I, I... <sighs> can, he, can he hear this? Not live. Not yet. But I'll record this and I can get George to play it back to him. All right. <laughs> um, Roman... <laughs> Roman, I, I'm, I'm so sorry I left you. You know I would never have left you fully if I had a choice. I love you so much, brother. Whatever happened in between, whatever happens now, I'm sorry, but I'm here for you. I'm, I'm going to find Claire. I'm, I'm going to get her back, and if I can, and I, and I will try with every fibre of my being, I'll get your kids back too. Even your dog, <laughs> even Rory, I'll do everything. Ryan and I have come to an agreement. Everything will be alright, bro. Forever and whatever after, right? Isn't isn't that what Claire used to say? Well, it stands with us as well. We'll be together again soon, brother. You and I, Elliot and Roman against the fucking world. I'm sorry, Elliot. I'm sorry you're apart from him. Jess, we're going to try and find the school where Naya resides. Naya, if you're listening to this, and I'm almost certain you are, we come peacefully. We just want to talk. Ryan, I'm not sure it's wise, you... I'm tired of deception and clutching at straws, Jess. I want the truth, and the only way we're going to get that is through honesty and openness and, well, let's face it, risk. How's everything looking now at A12? You said you were back on your feet a bit more? I'm sorry to everyone back home. The loss is impossible to imagine from this far out. 
My heart is with you all. I'm not going to lie. It's hard. We're on our feet as much as we can be, I suppose. I'm going to help George and Frankie to set up what they can for Roman. Elliot, he'll love your message, I'm sure. I'll do what I can to put you in touch properly. But until then, you two must be careful out there. Please, you're all we have. I'm just glad neither of us are alone out here anymore. It's, it's not really... Wait, shh, shh, second. Elliot? Get down, get down. Is it more of those mumbling creatures? No, 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 no. They tend not to go round opening doors. Look. Stand up slowly, or I'll fucking shoot. Shit. Do it now! That fence isn't gonna stop a bullet, and you know. Have they actually got you a... Ah, they have. Yeah, we'd better do it. I've just about had it up to here with you monsters, running round the place, taking people, and doing God knows what with them. Let that poor man go, you sick bastard. I said let him go! I'm not tied. I'm not tied. He, he's, he's not my prisoner. This, this is a misunderstanding. So what? You're on his side? Jesus. And here's me thinking, I was saving you. You sick bastards. Do you know how many of my neighbors, my friends, I've lost to you? You people. As if it wasn't bad enough that there are alien freaks roaming around the place. You. Shit. Oh, fuck. Listen. You have to listen to me right now. As I'm sure you know, the only people around here who have vehicles are the ones who you think are like me. I'm not like them, not at all. It's a disguise, a, a safety mechanism. But if you don't let us into your house and they see us out here like this, then we're all fucked. Not just us. You include. <laughs> You're talking shit. You clearly brainwashed this poor man. How about I end you? Right now, and be done with it. Then they'll hear and know, and they won't stop hunting you. You have to let us in. Not a chance. Elliot, what now? Look, now, <laughs> put your hands behind your back. Now we play the game. Ryan? Ryan? Damn, I knew it. I knew they were taking too many risks. Survivors, I guess I'd better leave it there for today. Or we can... Wait. <laughs> You'll make a good source of power, right? <laughs> you coming back with us, Jack? Don't want to walk him all that way, right? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, alright, go on then. You already got some in the back? Not yet. Oh, we've met our shadows. We can let Kamchala know there's lots of them around here, though. Next time there's a door, maybe we can go grab some. You'll have to take me with you. <laughs> Be a good bit of competition. Right, I'm going to chuck this one in. <laughs> good catch. Here's the keys. We'll join you once we check this house. Got it. Right, come on, scum, move it. Get in the back. Don't turn back. Shit. 
Hold on, Ryan. Is... They're gone again, aren't they? I... Gosh, I don't know what to think. Elliot sounded... I'm just shocked. I didn't really believe him when he said what he'd done, but... Well, after hearing that, I just don't know what to think. <sighs> Alright, now I guess I'll leave it there. We'll... Uh, just have to wait, I guess. Please, stay safe, survivors, and don't wander in the dark. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more news and updates, follow us on social media at Wake of Corrosion. You can also support the show via our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash wake of corrosion. Joining at any tier will get you access to all future episodes one week early. Thank you so much to our generous Patreon subscribers who have helped me to continue making and improving the show. Indicay, Laurel, Austin, Nath, Paul, Trace, AJ Pumpkin, Twiglets, Martina, Finney, Grumpy Coy, Maddie, Cold K, Ty, Eileen, Karen, PJ, Return Descender, and MJ Van Steenberg. Thank you all so much. Wake of Corrosion was written, directed, and produced by Sean Pellington, and is part of the Rusty Quill Network, with voice acting from Kieran Walsh as Professor Ryan, Lee Pellington as Roman, Adele Cliff as Jess, Phil Jankowskis as George, Jess Syrant as Frankie, Kevin Capon as Santiago, Saf the Something as Taryn, Mark Nixon as The Cultist, Intro theme, Phantasm, and outro theme, Shadowlands 5 Antichamber, were created by Kevin MacLeod at Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. Both pieces are reduced from their originals with fade-out effects, character voiceover, and radiostatic effects. Morse code SFX from morsecode.world, courtesy of Stephen C. Phillips. Full credits and transcripts can be found at wakeofcorrosion.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, don't wander in the dark. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.